season. Mm-hmm. I love being in the season. I also love how there's cat hair on this microphone. Mm. We're <laughs> our own stereotypes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I really wanted to talk about scary books, but actually Sarah was the one who said, we need to talk about scary books. Usually <laughs> I'm the one who said it before I could even say it. Sarah? <laughs> I do want to talk about scary books, and I want to talk about scary books for some of them for scaredy cats. That people who think they might want a scary book, but think that it's too scary. Or think that they just can't handle it. Can't handle it. Or that they don't read. I hear a lot of, I don't read horror Mm -hmm. from people, from librarians. Mm -hmm. And I think that that you are denying yourself like this whole genre of books that really do vary in terms of scariness mm-hmm. and have some like really interesting commentary on, you know, human condition and societies and politics and social justice and all kinds of things that like you're missing out on. So we want everybody to give this genre, just give it a chance. We're joined also by Simon. Hey. <laughs> and Simon and I are big fans of the horror genre, particularly movies. Yes. Simon develops the collection of our movies and likely adds lots of awesome horror films over the last couple of months, I imagine. Yep. Especially uh, foreign ones lately. <laughs> but uh, like me also reads horror and uh, yeah. Simon and I just like horror. We're bringing some picks to the table that hopefully aren't too scary for Sarah's <laughs> uh parameters we'll see (laughs) sensibilities this uh is a little too quiet of course it's the ferndale library podcast it's brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library and it is premiering if you're listening to this on the actual day that it dropped it's october 1st which means it is officially the spooky month well happy birthday to me oh happy birthday simon (laughs) happy birthday great great day for a birthday and happy spooky season yeah Yeah, great day great month excellent Mm -hmm. halloween all that stuff. I think that none of us have Stephen King on the list, on either of our lists. We, no, I know. We found that funny. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Not that I haven't read him, but I also haven't read his sprawling novels. His He dabbles in all kinds of like mystery and fantasy sure. and yeah. alternative comic history. Book. Com- yeah. yeah. But when but... you go back to old school King, like Shining and Salem's Lot, he's giving you a digestible 300 pages. Yes. Correct. And then you get into it. Yeah. (laughs) The it of it all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's actually on my notes that it's like, it's not that I don't like Stephen King. It's just that I prefer short story horror novels or like shorter things. Because I don't feel like you can really keep that tension for, you know, what it is like 950 pages. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) And he's such the obvious choice. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think none of us picked him also like because... If you're trying to encourage somebody to right. with a new recommendation, it's not that it's not Stephen King. And it's it. so weird to even it's not so weird, Jeff. <laughs> it's so weird to like even for me to even like recommend a Stephen King book because what 75 percent of anything he's ever put on a page has already been adapted into a piece of popular visual media. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I bet it feels weird even trying to crack into that spooky, weird egg. Yeah. So we won't talk about Stephen King, but nope. we but we might talk about King adjacent authors. Uh, yeah, yes. I have a King adjacent. <laughs> uh, same. <laughs> uh, start us off with our first book, Sarah. What's your first book that you want to talk about? Well, I'm gonna veer away from Stephen King, and I'm gonna start with my least scariest book. So this is gonna ease us in gently okay. Okay. to the scary genre. 
horror genre is called The Night Country by Stuart O'Nan. And he writes like a really wide variety of uh, books, including some kind of like cozy book clubby books about okay. old people. Okay. Um, but The Night Country is a book about, it's a ghost story mm-hmm. narrated by sort of a collective of ghosts narrated by three ghosts. It's Halloween night. It's a small New England town. I'm already picking it up. <laughs> and um, we learn that the the ghosts were killed. The kids who are now the ghosts were killed in a car accident the year before on Halloween night. And they are back with some unresolved issues, as ghosts often are, with the two survivors. You may not be surprised to learn also are dealing with their own mm-hmm. sort of levels of grief mm-hmm. with this accident. This is not like a actively scary book. Mm-hmm. It is like there the tension insists there's no like gotcha moment. To, I don't think that's a spoiler. But like there is enough sort of atmospheric dread surrounding this accident and surrounding what has happened to the people after the accident mm-hmm. um, and the setting and everything. I, I feel like it falls into the the horror genre and kind of pays homage to a lot of of other ghost stories that are out there and it's short it's a really it's a really nice book that i often recommend to readers who say that they don't read horror yeah i do find it funny that especially when you're recommending it to someone that doesn't like the genre a selling point is it's short (laughs) (laughs) that's a selling point for a lot of things yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh let's see i think i have to do my obligatory Ray Bradbury mention. I feel like I talk about the same authors on every episode. <laughs> but Something Wicked This Way Comes is a solid recommendation for the autumnal, spooky, creepy vibes. Coming of age story. Two boys getting into trouble when the carnival comes to town. Uh, if you think carnivals are creepy, <laughs> as I do. But... He, I think Ray Bradbury writes so beautifully, but can also be effectively scary. Not too scary, but you have these two boys who are kind of running amok and is that coming of age vibe, but there's an elder character too who's trying to look out for them. And you have these generations playing off of each other. And the 70s adaptation with Jonathan Price, not bad, not bad. Something wicked this way comes. How about you, Simon? Do you have any books? Uh, oh, geez. I have like half a page of my terrible scribble notes for <laughs> several books. But, um, uh, you know, okay. I know we said we weren't really going to talk about Stephen King. <laughs> but like, if Clive Barker weren't out and proud and very gay in the 80s, I think he would be a household horror novel name like Stephen King is. Even if you don't know the name Clive Barker, if you watch horror movies at all, you know exactly who he is because Hellraiser, Candyman, um, The Midnight Meat Train, which is exactly as campy as you want it to be. Um, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, he's written a ton of just short horror stories, some of them very creepy and wild, like the Candyman one, which is in one of the volumes of his anthologies are called The Books of Blood. Or then uh, I was going to talk about The Hellbound Heart, which I actually reread before doing this podcast. It's the short story that inspired like 10 Hellraiser movies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and if, you, if you've seen Hellraiser, you'll be very, it's very familiar when you read the book. Right. Because he wrote it at the same time as he was writing um, the screenplay. Mm-hmm. 
for the movie, but it's just different enough. And there's just enough like really funny one liners in it and stuff that just kind of smacks you upside the head. Like this is terrifying, but it's also hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you but if you are a scaredy cat, you may not have seen the film Hellraiser. Yeah. Because it's a lot. It is a lot. And I, but <laughs> I was looking at me right now, and the answer was no, I have not seen it. But I also think you could get into Ray Clive's books and enjoy the books, even if the film freaked you out. I think that. Yeah. It's, and that's actually something I would say to anybody that is like, oh, I don't really like horror movies. Right. I don't know if I'd really like horror novels. It's very different when you're reading it because you can look up when you're reading it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> and a little horror humor, I think, goes a long way to yeah. um, sort of soften the tone, right. like soften that like, you know, scaredy moment right. of. <gasps> and then to riff off of Stephen King real quick, that what I, I don't know, tone is everything. And to go back to my something wicked, if you go into it, there's that sense of what is especially scary is young, young kids, 12 ish, what have you are seemingly in dire peril but uh, there's just something about the way i'm sorry this isn't the stephen king hate podcast but, <laughs> but ray like yes these kids are in peril in my something wicked but i don't know there's still something more tender and folksy with the way bradbury comes off stephen king can just be so uh it's the word i want to use too intense mm. anyway I, I, I just don't like the character stephen king writes anyway <laughs> Yeah, I Clive Barker's got one called The Thief of Always that is also very similar, like the kid is in peril, yada yada. But it's and hilariously, it's very clearly his response to it. But it's also like, I don't know, really short. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, it helps that this. Yeah, these kids aren't being having their minds invaded by a creepy clown. Why do we yeah. even need clowns? This is a clown free <laughs> podcast. Oh, we're clown free. Okay, I gotta make sure I don't <laughs> talk about any clown. Nope, no clowns. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't quite sure there was rules. Clown I mean, free zone. clowns are pretty freaky. I have, anyway, we could go on a whole clown tangent. There are no clowns in something wicked this way comes. <laughs> Sarah. Okay, well, here is I'm going to go into this with we said we weren't going to talk about Stephen King and we're not. And to follow up with my least scary book, this is probably the most scary book that I'm going to talk about. And is it named after a Nirvana song? <laughs> it is Heart Shaped Box <laughs> by Joe Hill. So uh, Joe Hill, you will automatically recognize him <laughs> yeah. as being Stephen King's son. Yep. Because he looks exactly like his dad. Mm -hmm. Talks like him, sounds like him. <laughs> Everything. Yep. Yep. And so uh, Joe Hill has written um, several horror novels. And then now he's kind of, I think, doing mostly graphic novels. I really like the novels, though. So he wrote Horns, which was turned into a movie with Daniel Radcliffe. I love Horns. <laughs> and then so my favorite is Heart Shaped Box. So it is also a ghost story. And it features this sort of like aging rocker, like very stereotypical. He's got this like young girlfriend. And he's fascinated with like haunted things he buys this haunted box on like a auction site and isn't it a, a guitar case or did i mix that up Why it's a I... container okay just, okay it's a it's oh, yeah. a it's a i think it's just a he, box okay it's sorry a... he buys several haunted things <laughs> over the course of the book so. <laughs> and i think when i picked it up and i started reading it um and it's it it is scarier than 
some of the other books that I'm going to talk about. But if I can read it, I feel like anybody can read it. But I I think that I thought it was going to go in one direction and that it was going to turn into this sort of like action driven. He dukes it out with the ghost, you know, the at the end. And like, I don't really want to read a book about like an aging, aging white rocker dude. Like mm-hmm. that guy is boring. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the self-discovery, his name is Judas Coyne. The self-discovery that Judas goes goes through in the course of the book to defeat this sort of like external demon and his internal demons, I found like really rewarding. Like I thought the character arc of the of that particular character to be a lot more nuanced than I anticipated. And it made for like like I read it a long time ago and I it like still sticks with me as something that is gonna surprise you. And I think that there's just like a lot of really the this creepy atmosphere, um, sort of like the haunted nature of it all, I think is a perfect read for October. And even though it's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, I think you can do it. Yeah. I also like the trope of a of a rock star who is sensibly supposed to have or maybe worship that same sort of Jim Morrison y energy <laughs> of maybe getting too dark, deep into the dark side. Like, oh, yeah, I like the dark. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I demoned, I demoned too hard. <laughs> That's what I really liked about the book. Not that it's comedic, but every rock star should have that happen. <laughs> and I think Joe Hill sets him up as like, he knows you might not like him at the beginning, right? Like he knows the trope of this character. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes about Ozzy Osbourne at the beginning of that book. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I mean, to kind of go off the rock star thing, um, and also things that are just perfect fall, not to be the most stereotypical millennial ever, but like perfect fall creepy vibes. I'm air quoting vibes. <laughs> John Darnielle from uh, The Mountain Goats writes, they're, they're like horror adjacent novels like Universal Harvester or like the more obviously named Devil House. They are um, pretty much anything he's ever written is like creepy, fall, spooky, but not necessarily so scary. You'd stick them in the what's well, your Jeff there, is gesturing. There was a book he wrote that I think he debuted with. And I remember it involving a video store. Yeah. Universal Harvester. Harvester. That was Universal Harvester. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, and it's Midwestern setting is just like, yeah, so perfect. <laughs> no, for sure. But yeah, it's especially since we were joking about, you know, rock stars and spooky vibes. And yeah, um, John Darnielle, his books are great. Um, another book that would be like a good fall vibey type book, not necessarily. Well, it gets spooky is Ian Reed's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which oh. got turned into a Netflix movie. I have not watched the movie because after reading the book, I was like, I don't know how this is going to translate into a movie, quite frankly. I've well, heard good things about it, but it, it got into the hands of Charlie Kaufman, who is yeah. a weirdo onto himself, so he probably double weirdoed it. So yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. But yeah, I um I picked up that book when it came out and didn't know a darn thing about it, and I encourage you to just not know anything about it and just read it, and it's either going to grab you immediately or you're going to be like, oh no, I hate this, and then put it down and you can ignore it, but give it a shot. <laughs> I vividly remember. Because I'm a Mountain Goats fan, I vividly remember when that first John Danielle book came out. I also remember part, or at least reading at least one review that, because it was 
the same year that season one of Stranger Things debuted. So there was yeah. a lot of people saying, do you like that spooky but not too scary vibes of the Stranger Things? Then this might be for you. So Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go into a slightly different direction, but not too different. Uh, there is a book came out four years ago now by Craig Davidson called The Saturday Night Ghost Club. A tiny little book. I think it was on Penguin Random House that apparently no one else in the world but me read. <laughs> But it is touching into something this, something wicked this way comes vibes and a bit of, we're just going to say vibes a lot on this podcast. Yep. And a little bit of Robert McCammon's A Boy's Life vibes coming of age again. Summertime, of course. No, summer's not in the title. Takes place in the summer. (laughs) It's the start of summertime in Niagara Falls. And this little boy, Jake, the book starts when he's older. So it has this. Uh, bookended Stand By Me situation where it is the elder man looking back at his 10-ish, 12-year-old self living in Niagara Falls, which everyone who lives in his little cul-de-sac nicknames it Cataract City, so that's what he refers to it as. And apparently there's just a lot of folks in town who are just harboring a lot of ghost stories, especially the boy's kooky uncle, Uncle Calvin, who's very obsessed with magic and the occult, and conspiracy theories and ghost stories and he is possibly not not entirely uh fit to be supervising a uh, child but he <laughs> invites jake to his uh little abode and he's like hey yeah do you want to have a fun summer do you want to hear about all my fun ghost stories do you want to investigate some of these urban legends do you want to just like go out on a saturday night and maybe investigate this abandoned haunted place with me and he takes him out on a series of adventures. And it is very fun and spooky in a fun way for a while until you start to realize that Uncle Calvin might have some really unresolved psychological issues of his own. And the book diverts into pretty heavy, dramatic situations at that point. But it's fun for the first 150 pages. <laughs> no, I really I really do recommend it. it, it it's a good chaser after something this wicked this way comes a little bit of like just harmless scooby-doo vibes Mm -hmm. until you're like calvin what's really the matter anyway (laughs) i like that increasing tension i like the like i mean i think that's a you know when you have the pacing sort of like and kind of starts off slow right you have just like little regular old suburban malaise and then it's like oh wait a minute this is yeah like ratcheting up and it is in the same way of something wicked this way comes of how the child views the elder is it Mm. with reverence at first and then concern later i don't know i like the saturday night ghost club yeah fun title that is a fun title yeah yeah. (laughs) harmless ghost stories until they aren't Ah, yes. <laughs> what else you got, Sarah? Well, uh, in the coming of age vibe, I really suggest... So for people who are looking for, like, creatures... Oh, yeah. We mm. haven't gone down the creature road too much. Oh, man. Is Dread Nation by Justine mm. Ireland. Okay. And it is technically a YA story, uh, but I think it would definitely have some crossover appeal. So sort of a coming of age story of this young woman named Justine. And it's an alternative history where the civil war was interrupted by a zombie uprising. So we are, (laughs) (laughs) so we're sort of like at the turn of the century um, and, or just before the turn of the century. And there's a young woman named Jane 
And she is a, and I'm going to do the air quotes here. She is a student (laughs) essentially at a camp for young black women to learn to become zombie slayers uh, in order to be sort of bodyguards for wealthy white girls. And Jane literally slays at being a vampire slayer. She's the best (laughs) vampire slayer in her class. And she's just an all-around badass. Uh, And like through the whole book, she's a great character. But events happen and and take place. And she kind of gets moved from the city out into the country where they're sort of like, you know, a little westward movement. And Jane realizes that, surprise, surprise, uh, you know, the true horror is not actually from the vampires, which she knows how to deal with, but from the... from people and the system. And I think it, this book has like everything. It has like fun zombie slaying action. Mm -hmm. It has romance. It's this coming of age story. It's alternative history. It's actual history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's also these themes of like social and racial and gender justice that I think just make this really like, kind of like it gives you the whole picture um, and really does the characters justice. Um, I just thought it was really delightful. The horror scenes are like fun and scary. Um, And I just, I just liked the whole, the whole book. There is a second book. I have not read it yet, um, but it is definitely one I would recommend to to older teens and to adults as well. Yeah, as somebody who used to be a a teen services librarian, the thing I generally tell people is like, for some reason, the money is in young adult publishing right now. So like, especially new authors or authors that want to try something goofy, like yada yada, they tend to get put in the YA lane. Um, So there's like a lot of good books in there if you just take two seconds to look for them, you know. Mm -hmm. And I guess on that note, that kind of dovetails nicely. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to talk about it, but perfect timing. Also technically YA, but man, it's a lot, um, is Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. (laughs) What a cool title. It's a really cool title. It's got a really cool cover. Uh, As much as we say, don't judge a book by its cover, you can absolutely judge this book by its cover. The cover's amazing. The book is also amazing. Um, (laughs) um, But it's a lot. (sighs) Essentially... An eco-terrorist group of militant evangelical Christians developed a plague that turns people into biblically accurate angels in order to jumpstart... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the face Jeff is making right now. <laughs> Half of my face, I'm behind a mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, and uh, this one teen who is the center of the book has been made essentially into the MacGuffin that will usher in the rest of the apocalypse once they finish puberty and turn into like a giant seraphim thing. Um, so yeah, they've got to spend the book both fighting against the, essentially the, what they've been injected with and like also helping the, the revolution to try and stop what's happening. But there's always that temptation because once er, well, if they give into it, They'll be able to control all the spooky monsters that are attacking them. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil more things about that. But Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. It is a lot, but it's really good. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I have um, literary horror 
to get into? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, this is a book that came out in 2017 called The Changeling by Victor Laval. Again, possibly a book that only I've read in the world. <laughs> There's so many things Which, that are called The Changeling indeed. that are horror, horror adjacent, you know? Uh, this was a book that I actually thought that I hated for the first hundred pages. <laughs> then I thought that I just liked okay for the next hundred and then stuck through and just love capital L loved it by the end gets into dark magic fairy tales creature features uh again it is uh it starts with someone named Apollo who has uh an elder not an uncle but a father in the situation who is possibly uh, uh unfit to raise a child because <laughs> that that elder is into just lots of creepy shit and the occult mm-hmm. and that kind of messes with Apollo's head it gives him lots of nightmares Nightmares that seem to last throughout his entire life. But he's able to find someone, fall in love. Her name's Emma, and they have a baby. Until one day when Emma starts acting very strangely, and both she and the baby disappear. And Apollo has to go on some sort of odyssey to find them. Meets a stranger who tells him where to find the baby. It's on a forgotten lost island that no one actually knew existed off of the coast of well, not Long Island, but it's in that New York area, <laughs> sort of hiding near the Statue of Liberty, because this book is going <laughs> to... I'm making a lot of gestures with my hands, everyone, and I think that's why Sarah's <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> but also, all those un- unknown islands hanging out around the An unknown, yeah. misty island that <laughs> so appears misty. out of the fog mm-hmm. that Apollo mm-hmm. has to sail to. Mm-hmm. From there, he has to go into a graveyard and then into a cave meeting witchy characters along the way, uh, trying to just save his baby, right? But it is, it's beautifully written. And I know that I just, you know, talked about possibly silly things right there, but uh, there are there are some like really profound ruminations on the immigrant experience and what uh, maybe thinking that the life we were, they were establishing was maybe taken away from them and the secrets that can tear apart spousal love and the pressure of being a parent so uh, there's a lot there there's a lot there and there's graveyards and forgotten islands and witches uh so i loved it like all good horror stories yeah but like not (laughs) scary just like creepy so victor laval the changeling loved it by the end but do you have to suffer through well you just have to like realize that the first hundred pages are going to be about a marriage that may be falling apart and then the next 100 pages are about a guy stressed out about his generational trauma from his dad and the baby that he lost. And then you get into graveyards and foggy islands. It sounds like a book, like one of those round robin stories where it's like, I start the story and, and I pass it off and to Simon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Here's a story about a marriage. And then I give it to Simon and Simon's like, wait a minute. No, that's boring. Yeah. Right. <laughs> are you sure yeah. three didn't, different people didn't write that book? Possibly, but like, maybe so. <laughs> I'm just trying to look up Victor Lavelle's other books because I feel like the author has written some other good stuff. I was going to say, it almost sounds like some of my favorite horror movies where they start off as like, you know, this is just a family drama. And then halfway through, it's like, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Very, yeah, very A24. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. He also wrote a book called The Ballad of Black Tom, which if you want to continue tapping into supernatural horror, dark magic horror, and you only want to read 150 pages rather than 450... Mm -hmm. I would also recommend The Ballad of Black Tom. So. I will say I've actually heard of that one. <laughs> yep. I'm a fan of short books. Yes. Yep. 
Uh, I haven't even gotten to my surprise pick yet, Sarah, so I'll save that for later. Okay. So I want to talk about, it is called The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Is this the Donner Party book? This is a Donner Party book. (laughs) So this is a book that imagines the Donner Party a sort of expedition tragedy as as a horror yeah. novel. So you right away you meet some members on this wagon train and and the characters have really good feel to them and this you know they're kind of like hanging out on the plains so you're getting some of the like dusty, you know, as somebody who grew up in the west, I love a I love a western. So you get this sort of like dry crackly grass um, and you you can just like sense the storm coming over the mountains in many ways. It's got a great cover. It's very foreboding. And right. Yeah. So the cover. So we know what happens to the Donner Party. And if the cover does not reveal to you. So pretty shortly after the book starts, they have a sense that something is tracking them. And that something is not human. And it is hungry. And so this sort of hunger and fear and isolation themes with like from the Donner Party, you know, what we know of the Donner Party. It is like so smart to tie these together as like this otherworldly horror novel set in the dusty old West. Um, It to me is just it was it's pretty gory. There's some definitely like blood and gore a little bit more than I would prefer, but I just loved all of the other aspects about it mm-hmm. um, that I, I think it's definitely worth the read. Um, and I would suggest it to, to somebody that's looking for a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's the hunger. I was too scared to read that book. <laughs> the oh, cover man. is kind of scary. <laughs> the cover is extremely scary and you know, cannibalism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, you just talked about a super gory one. So I don't know if I should also follow up with my super gory pick or if I should follow up with my like 80s slasher. Mm. Yeah, we're going to go with 80s slashers. We're going to take a break from the gore for a second. (laughs) But there's a couple of authors that have started writing. Uh, Grady Hendrix is one. They've got a book called My Best Friend's Exorcism that is essentially a Judy Bloom novel, but mashed up with The Exorcist. It is delightful. Um, and despite the fact that this is not a visual medium, I brought the copy of Horror Store with me, uh, so I wouldn't forget to talk about it. And the fact that it is printed to look like an Ikea catalog, but it is a haunted house book, but the thing that is haunted is Ikea. It's great. <laughs> Like, all the employees have to try and stay there overnight to figure out, like, oh, who's messing with our displays? Like, who's breaking in here? And then, no, it is. It is a ghost. Spoiler alert. It, it is literally an Ikea catalog. It's a square-shaped <laughs> paperback, yeah. Yeah. And there are, like, maps of the Ikea and, like drawings of the furniture with how you should use the furniture and then that's normally a chapter where that piece of furniture is featured another good one for like an 80s slasher type vibe would be uh edgar cantero's meddling kids ah yeah that is yeah it is essentially what if the scooby-doo gang actually ran into like a horrible Lovecraftian horror thing and it just like broke their brains <laughs> and they had to go back as adults to try and fix what they unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> Another great cover, by the way. Yes. We should put, I'll put pictures of all of these on the podcast website because covers are worth it. 
Yeah. Especially the hunger and meddling kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Grady Hendrix is really like kind of a up and coming, maybe is that fair to say horror author. But they've also released like six books by now because they're just cranking them out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the most recent one was Final Girls Support Group. Yeah. Which is that classic trope. Grady Hendrix Mm. really leans in hard to like horror and horror tropes. Yeah. And sort of skewering. And like playing off those. Like there's one with a rock star called We Sold Our Souls. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They actually read... uh, the Final Girls support group in the Ferndale Project Book Club Ooh. right before we took over. Did you read it? I didn't, but oh. the group seemed to seem to like it. I like I like a little side dishing of humor with my horror. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm into Grady Hendrix. I have a couple more and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, especially since I think it might pair nicely with the <laughs> hunger. Um there's a pun in there where I'm talking about pairing meals mm-hmm. um, oh my God. or something to chase. Um, so the my favorite book by local author Josh Mallerman is Unbury Carol. Is Unbury Carol Chef. on your list? <laughs> we thought we were going to get through this whole podcast. I was just thinking we're going to get through this whole podcast and not have the same book. We never planned this. <laughs> it is planned this. A horror Western. Hello. A horror Western reimagining of sleeping beauty gonna go ahead and rant on this you can you can chime in sarah so uh there is carol of course of the title who it's not narcolepsy she slips in and out of comas her new husband dwight uh has basically just married her because she her family's rich and he has married her for her fortune and he's also very aware that she has tendencies to slip in and out of comas so he has hatched a devious plan that the next time she goes under, he's going to put her under the ground because who else but him will actually know whether or not she is or isn't dead. We know she isn't because the book title has given it away. Her technically ex-boyfriend, James Moxie, is kind of a Harrison Fordy, Clint Eastwood outlaw. He's an outlaw. He's an outlaw. He is uh, out of her picture, if not still harboring uh, carrying a torch for her, oh, maybe. A little bit, yep. Uh, but he is off on the other side of the trail. He's the only other person who knows her secret, knows that she probably isn't dead, knows that this Dwight guy is up to no good. So he is going to get on his steed and ride to the rescue, only to find out that Dwight has hired kind of a bounty hunter to stop him. <laughs> it is horror, but I feel like I'm just describing a western. <laughs> it is totally, <laughs> like, it has full spaghetti western. Yeah. You know, like an outlaw named Moxie. Like, right. okay. And the, the bounty hunter's <laughs> name Smoke, but he uh, is murderous and has an elaborate and very creepy way of killing people. Um, So that it's kind of a, I said that I don't like murdery horror, but this isn't exactly murdery horror. And then it gets really psychedelic at the end. Sarah, thoughts? <laughs> I, so, as I like Westerns, and I um, I like it because I thought it wasn't too scary. Yeah. The beginning starts a little scary when she's describing what it was like Again. in the coma. Like, she's has consciousness, right. but she appears to everybody else that she's dead. Even, mm-hmm. like heartbeat and right and breath for anyone who's experienced sleep paralysis that's a very scary thing she calls it like howl town Mm -hmm. i listened to it so it was a little hard to um picture that exact word but narrated by dan john miller also a michigan resident Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what it is about Michigan that we just do scary stuff just all the time. <laughs> but yes, that is on my list because, and if I'm going to jump in here, this is was sort of a twofer for me, which is fairy tale retelling. Yes. Yeah. Because fairy tales can be kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And so... They could be grim, perhaps? They could be... Oh, my God. They could <laughs> be know? real grim. Yeah. So I think that there are a couple of authors that do this. Um, Josh Mellerman has written other horror and other thrillers, but this one fits the, the fairy tale retelling. And then also, there's a British author named Helen Oyeyemi who has written um, Bo- Boy, Snow, Bird, which is Snow White retelling. Oh, yeah. And... Is it Ginger Bread, just, yep. which is sort of like Hansel and Gretel slash Gingerbread Man. And her books um, are sort of like this dark, gothic, folklore fantasy, mm-hmm. kind of the real world, but kind of not. She is challenging, I think, as an author. Like, she will challenge you as a reader with mm-hmm. both her narrative structure and her themes. Right. Because she, you know, brings in these real contemporary issues, social, racial, racial justice. There's a lot of like grief mm-hmm. and physicalness, I would say, upon a real body to her books that I think can, are, they're like, they're very unsettling. Um, I don't think any, I've also read like White is for Witching from her. Like, I don't think her books are scary as much as they're just like, they're, they make you think in a way that's like it kind of sticks with you, but like raises the hair on the back of your neck when right. you kind of like think about the implications of what her characters are going through. Going off what Helen does about the this is the real world, but not the real world, is that aside from referring to a character as being an outlaw and maybe apparently suggesting that people ride horses, this doesn't say this is in Tombstone, Arizona, or this is... Uh, somewhere in California on the Gold Road. He doesn't actually say where we are. Nope. It's all very suggestive that it feels like the frontier. So I think it's cool. It's not saying where it is. And I th- the, also the Helenoia Yemi books, I feel like you also kind of don't really know what era they're set in. You're like, right. is, oh, this, fun. Yeah. is this like a gothic <laughs> right. historic or are, are we like today? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have some clues, but I just feel like she kind of plays a little bit like Unbury Carol with this, like both the setting and the place. That still wasn't my surprise pick. I have one more to go. Simon, do you have any more? <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> Though I don't have a good way to like tie it into what you were just talking about. Womp womp. Um, man, uh, <laughs> it's going to be rare for me. And that I'm going to recommend a book that I personally couldn't finish. <laughs> But Gretchen Felker Martin wrote a book called Manhunt that I started and was like, wow, this is really good. Wow, I can't do it right now. (laughs) Um, But it is uh, essentially it's really gory, which is why I couldn't deal with it at the time. Um, But it kind of plays off the zombie trope, except instead of zombies, it's uh, anyone assigned male at birth turns into like this giant man-eating monster (laughs) yeah so it gets into like a lot of contemporary political issues Mm -hmm. and stuff like that because obviously it's from the perspective of two trans women that are um trying to survive not succumb to this plague that yeah and 
literally fight a band of trans exclusionary radical feminists. Wow. <laughs> yeah, who are also trying to eliminate them. And there's like all these crazy, uh, they talk briefly about how the major cities have like, like purges of it, yada yada. Um, yeah, it was a lot. It was really good. Every time I try and start it, I'm like, this is really good. But then again, then I just can't finish it. <laughs> but it's some of the descriptions in there are like bananas. I'm blanking on the name of the horror movie that had all the worms that burrowed into people. And then, ew. yeah, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> yes. Squirm? Yeah. yeah, squirm. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it's gross. Also, uh, on a less gross note, I am going to just my last one and then I'm done. But um, if you've never actually read The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty, I would be remiss if I did not bring that up. It is a fantastic book, even if you've seen the movie. Heike recommend reading it. <laughs> yeah, I have a few honorable mentions, too. I, I, I already spoiled for Sarah that my controversial pick was going to be the Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. Uh, a work of quote unquote nonfiction uh, that a lot of people have debunked over the years. But I think I was able to just really plug into that book and place myself in the 60s or 70s and just forget all of the freaky, freaky horror that I've seen in my life and just allow everything in that book to really scare me. I had a lot of fun with that book and I don't know how or why, but I did. The surprise, like unconventional pick I was going to give was complete left turn and that's going to be an appropriate pun in a second it's the road by cormac mccarthy <laughs> which is one of the most beautifully written books i've ever read in my entire life if not the most beautiful book i've ever read but also devastatingly scary not well you know it's it's devastatingly emotional it's a little unsettling have you read it sarah i haven't because it sounds too scary for me. You know, I don't know. It's but it's a survival book, and yeah, I think it is. I guess it is scary. Hmm. You read read it? No. You're familiar with the premise. I am familiar with the premise. A father and a son. I have seen the movie. Literal uh, yeah. of the world. D does Jeff have a theme? <laughs> yeah, Jeff has Jeff has an unintentional theme going right now. Every yeah. single book I like, he's mentioned. <laughs> yeah, something about those generational interactions. It's it's utter poetry. Even if you think it's going to be scary, yeah. It's fine literary wine. Love it. Anyway, that's all I got. I have one honorable mention. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because we talked about it in our fall book favorites episode, which is Mexican Gothic by mm -hmm. Silvia Marino Garcia. And I think that it does fall in well with the horror genre. Um, you have kind of like the haunted house vibe. And she does a really good job of skewering some of the like old white dude yep. horror writers yep. that we have been told are the classics. And I think she does a really good job of like, let's let's revisit that and um, sort of investigate it. And that becomes like the, one of the main themes of the book, which is really, yeah, which is really great. And it, it's creepy and spooky and atmospheric. Young girl from Mexico City who absolutely can hold her own and is... Strong-willed, extroverted, not a damsel, and goes to a creepy estate inhabited by the creepiest family ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> to save her cousin, and it is it does have that, like, Jonathan Harker, I'm in Dracula's castle, what the hell is going on, who are these people, what the hell is going on kind of vibe to it, but also a bit of Jane Eyre, let's lock the cousin away in the attic kind of a thing. And creepy. And creepy. It is, but it's, it's like, it's beautiful, too. Yeah. I really, and I think it's a great, 
way to ease into the horror genre if you're not really ready for like a full on, you know, yeah. purge it's a slasher. Yeah. <laughs> Hellraiser. You're, you're not ready for Manhunt. Which, yep. <laughs> Good books. Uh, I'm gonna go. Is David Onan is that the author you mentioned at the beginning? Stuart Onan. Stuart Onan. Onan, Onan, Stuart Onan. And he's written like these like cozy, like Emily Alone, which is like little grandmas on the cover. I think, Mm. you know, I like, I like somebody that ventures, does lots of different types of genres. Nice. Well, happy October. Uh, Happy birthday again, Simon. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Happy early Halloween to Sarah. I hope she watches the scary movie this season. Uh, Oh, maybe. Maybe she'll watch Squirm. You never know. <laughs> no. <laughs> we will have every book that's mentioned in the show notes so you can place a hold on one. Maybe take it out from the library. Maybe you'll pick one of mine. Maybe you'll pick one of Simon's. Or maybe you'll pick Stuart Onan. <laughs> Onan. Towels. Towelless. How are you? Yeah, how how do we pronounce things? Who knows? We read stuff. We read we stuff. We talk about yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We thank you for listening to this episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Uh, We thank John Duffy for giving us music to play at the beginning and end of each episode. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And we wish you the spookiest of spooky seasons. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. Bye.